In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our text for today is the Gospel reading, which you've already heard. You may be seated. Today, Jesus has performed a great miracle. In our Gospel text, Jesus comes out of the region of Tyre and Sidon to the area known as the Decapolis. If we don't have a good grasp of the map of Israel in Jesus' day, the references here are a bit lost on us. But suffice it to say, this is Gentile territory. Now, this is a rather remarkable thing because this is the same Jesus who at one point told his disciples to go only to the towns of Israel. This is the same Jesus who told the Syrophoenician woman that he was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is the same Jesus who later on would only go into the towns of Israel. In our day, this kind of behavior is enough to get Jesus canceled. In fact, some have tried to do so based on this kind of text. A prominent theologian on the internet a few months ago accused Jesus of being a racist, stemming from the incident with the Syrophoenician woman that I already mentioned. Clearly, either Jesus is a hypocrite when he works among the Samaritans and the Gentiles, like in today's text, or it might be possible that those who make these kinds of claims simply don't understand the things that Jesus does and says. Since Jesus is the Holy One of God, I think we better go with the latter. The reason, though, that these travel notices are important in the Gospels is because they not only set the stage for us and for, these miracle, for this miracle today, but this also teaches us something about God's character. Here, in the Gentile region of the Decapolis, Jesus healed a man who was deaf and mute. That Jesus was in Gentile territory is profoundly important to us today because it shows that Jesus is not just the Savior of the Jews, but that he is also our Savior as well. Jesus is the Savior not only of those descended from Abraham, but Jesus seeks those who worship the Father in spirit and truth among Gentiles, bringing them in to the family of Abraham. Dear saints, this confirms what we probably take for granted all the time, that Jesus is our Savior. This means that the stories of Abraham and Moses and David and all of the Old Testament stories, those stories are our stories. By baptism, you have put on Christ, and if you are Christ, then you are a child of Abraham, says St. Paul, who is the man of faith. If you are a child of Abraham, then you are an heir according to the promises of Christ that were given to our father, Abraham. But this miracle also speaks to the whole of humanity in that it shows us the effects of the fall into sin. 
really in a rather personal way for members of our own congregation. In our gospel text, we encounter a man who is deaf and has a speech impediment. Although we are not told this explicitly, we can probably guess that this man had probably lost his hearing either very early in his life or maybe was born without hearing at all. Since he could not hear to learn to speak the language during those critical years of speech development, it was impossible for him to speak clearly. This is one of the results of the fall into sin. As we have members of our congregation who share in this man's affliction, we need to make, or we need to ask a question. Did this man's sins, or even his parents' sins, or even his future sins, warrant this kind of punishment? Where did this come from? Well, this is actually a question that is brought up to us in another portion of Scripture with a man who was born blind in the Gospel according to St. John. The trouble with this question is that it leaves us wondering what particular sins we might commit to warrant such a punishment from God. What could I have done differently that would have prevented this? The questions about whose sins caused blindness leaves us with no clear answers. It leaves us only with confusion, with anger, despair, and a whole host of other bad feelings about God. And when this happens, Satan has accomplished his goal among us. He either wants us to blame ourselves or he wants us to blame God. But Jesus says of the man born blind, it was not that this man sinned or that his parents sinned, but the works of God might be displayed in him. We ought to distinguish between sin and the effects of sin. Sometimes that link is rather clear. If I drive drunk and I wreck my car, that is a direct result of my sin. But the fall also produces all kinds of ill effects that we must deal with, blindness and deafness being among them. All of these point to the ultimate consequence of the fall. We are dust, and to dust we shall return. We will die. Everything that breaks down in our bodies is just a progression of that death that we carry around in our bodies. And so now the question becomes, so Jesus, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about this deaf man or these boys who have a profound hearing loss or this man who is bedfast or that woman who has dementia? Jesus says, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So Jesus pulls this man over to the side to deal with him one-on-one. This reminds us that Jesus cares about each of us and our troubles individually. You are not just a face in the crowd to Jesus. He knows every single hair on your head. And he reaches out and he touches this man's ears and tongues 
maybe, maybe to indicate what he's about to do. And then he looks up to heaven, he spits, and he sighs. Now the Greek here of Mark tells us that this is the kind of sigh so deep that could only come from the soul of the soul of the creator of the universe. The one who sees the effects of sin as they have shattered his beautiful creation. This is the kind of sighing that comes from your guts, that you feel in your bones when the weight of sin and death in your body presses down as you look forward to the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come, and you cry out, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And then he said the word, Ephatha. Amazing. Jesus speaks. Now, up to this point, the deaf man in our text, his ears could not receive and process that sound. Something in this man's physiology made it impossible for him to hear anyone who was talking to him. But Jesus' word does what it says. Jesus is the same God who said in Genesis, Let there be light, and there was light. And so Jesus says to this man, Ephatha, that is, be open. And this man's ears were opened, and his tongue was released so that he could speak plainly. For us, Jesus is opening our eyes to see and hear what creation was intended to be from the beginning and what it will be when he comes again. With this miracle, Jesus displays his power in this man as a sort of down payment to all of us who look forward to our bodies being made new again, once and for all cleansed of sin and death, raised up from the dead without aches or pains, without dementia, without deafness, without death itself. Jesus does all things well, restoring what was dead to new life again. And this, dear saints, we have witnessed today. I said that today Jesus has done a miracle. And we have seen that miracle with our own eyes. And we ought to just as zealously as these folks in the text proclaim it from the rooftops. Hadley Marie Shoemaker has heard God's word at this font. And he has opened her ears to hear it. And even now he has loosed her tongue to sing his praises. Now to us, it's going to sound a little bit like screams and cries and whimpers and those kinds of noises that little babies make. But this fulfills what the scripture says. Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And God, through his word, teaches us And he teaches Hadley how to rightly sing his praises and tell of his glorious deeds by speaking to us over and over again through his word. The word preached and taught to us is an ephatha to our ears and to our tongues. The same word that opens our ears to hear him is the same word that we speak back to him in praise. And so... As Hadley grows in her knowledge and understanding of God's word, her little cries will be, released, will be replaced by 
the singing of hymns, and the confession of the creed. You families with little ones in the pews even now get to see this every week in church. But you should also hear the little ones at our school who sing the liturgy, both my parts and their parts, as God opens their ears and looses their tongues to sing his praises. But the part that hardly anyone gets to see is how God opens the ears and looses the tongue of the dementia-afflicted soul. They may not know me from Adam when I come to visit, but when we sing things like, O Christ, thou Lamb of God, who takest away to the sin, takes away the sin of the world, they know it. When we, when we confess the creed together, they know it. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, they know it. Dear saints, Jesus does all things well. And here in his word, he opens our lips that our mouths may declare his praise. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.